What up, what up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 84 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to help support the podcast in a way that will not cost you anything extra, you can do your shopping on Amazon like you normally do, but go through my affiliate link portal, which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash affiliate links. Click on the Amazon banner and do your shopping like you normally do. Again, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but it's a way that you can help support the show and it's much appreciated. In this episode, I speak about the Netflix original show Ozark, Jeff Dunham's comedy special Relative Disaster, Jerry Seinfeld's comedy special Jerry Before Seinfeld, Def Comedy Jam 25, and watching a PBS documentary on Amazon video called New York. New York, New York, Nueva York. All right, so I'm filming this episode uh, a couple weeks in advance, actually, because I am uh, going out to India, and I just recorded earlier today uh, the episode that's being released on October 5th. And this one is the one that's going to be released on October 19th, but I am recording them in the same day. So if some catastrophic, crazy, wild shit happens in, or happened in the past couple of weeks, like uh, Trump or Kim Jong-un blowing shit up, and I don't mention it in this episode, then that's why. As you guys are listening to this, um, somewhere in India, on the other side of the planet... And like I did the last couple times that I went there, I'll be recording an episode from there, at least one episode uh, from there, just to tell you guys about the trip and the experience of just going over there. I like to be as detailed as possible um, with, I guess, dumb shit, but stuff that I find interesting. And if you guys do as well, then then uh, look forward to that episode coming up, you know, stuff like what did they serve on the plane and how the hotel is and, you know, sightseeing shit that I did and stuff like that. Don't worry, it's no, like, boring work-related stuff, just, um, like, the touristy shit. All right, so, away we go. Ozarks is a, you know, Netflix is off the hook. Awesome. I'm glad that Netflix, Netflix exists at this particular time in my life because if it was earlier like high school high school college times i wouldn't have gotten absolutely dick done i would have paid even less attention than i did throughout those years and um damn actually come to think of it maybe i would be more productive now without netflix so fuck you netflix anyway it's a lot of dope shit because it also like inspires me personally like i see the level of like quality shows and the writing and it gives me something to like strive towards and it's just like creative as fuck and entertaining so the show ozarks is a netflix original and uh jason bateman's in it who is is one of my favorite actors who was an actor like back in the day, I guess, like in the in the eighties, eighties, nineties, maybe, and uh, no one heard from him for a while, and then he started getting like he became like a a list actor like all over again, and getting roles left and right. And my wife told me about an article or something that she read or an interview that she saw with him that they addressed that they were because it was like it's like um. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but he took a hiatus, I guess, or not. I don't know. He wasn't, he wasn't a working actor for a while. And then, you know, starts getting all these roles and they asked him like what happened, what changed. And he pretty much said they stopped giving a shit and stopped taking it so seriously. And then roles started coming to him. Anyway, he's in the movie. He started uh, in the show. He stars in it. And it's about this uh, financial advisor that winds up getting involved with a Mexican drug cartel and washing their money. And he's a 
a really top-notch financial advisor and really good at what he does, and uh, which is why uh, the cartel pretty much um, chose him or whatever to to provide that service. Anyway, in a in a twist of fate, shit hits the fan, and he winds up having to leave Chicago, where he's from, with his family. Um, and the cartel like almost kills him and stuff, and and the only way he 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 lived was the uh him you know prom promising giving his word to the cartel that he can wash even more of their money and has a a huge opportunity in ozark in the ozarks and it is i don't know i I forget where where it is minnesota I don't remember, but it's like if you've ever gone camping, it, it looks like that, like a campsite, like the entire town or whatever. And he, I don't know, uh, convinces the cartels to, to, or the cartel guy that he deals with to um, buy his story. And then he starts figuring shit out when he gets there, buys himself some time. And uh, throughout the whole show, he's always like, like one step ahead of of the issue like he not one step ahead that's not the right kind of he's kind of like half a step ahead i would say of like whatever issue he's dealing with and but then once he has it like reined in like the issue or once he has it um taken care of he he gets hit with another problem and another problem and another and and it's like that like constant like back and forth uh, the whole time like he gets the the money to the cartel and then um, somebody extorts him and then somebody robs him and then he has to double up and get even more money and then his source of washing the money like the businesses that he started quote unquote investing in so that he can like cook their books and through their like wash money for the cartels um, he gets discovered by one of them and then it, it's like. It's a dope, interesting show. And, uh, you know, there's issues, like, within the family, the dynamic between, like, him and his wife and cheating. And and it's, it's just, it's fast-paced. And something that I really, really appreciated that I thought was ballsy as hell um, from the uh, from the, the creators and, and, and writers on the show was that the it's a very suspenseful show and it's exponentially more suspenseful because everything that you expect from one like scene or or or, uh, a string of sequences to the next for the show to like build up to in suspense and maybe like the whole show would be leading up to a, a specific moment they would wind up doing it immediately like one of the the earlier spoiler alert by the way fast forward like two or three minutes if you don't want to hear this but one of the earlier episodes the um he finds out uh probably in the, like the first first or second episode he finds out about his wife cheating and stuff like that so you you as a as a watcher of the show pretty much like your at least what i anticipated was that you know he's either going to confront his wife or or the dude that she's cheating with and you know that's how that's going to be like the arc of the show like playing up towards that at least the like the b the b story and in like the very next scene or a scene or two the the guy that she's cheating on him with gets flung out of a penthouse window and splatters in the middle of uh, the intersection of a street like in front of him when he's on his way to go confront the guy and that happens because the cartel finds out uh, about the whole infidelity thing and that's a a loose end type of nuisance for them because they don't want people close to what they're involved with you know etc etc so it's like shit like that that's like what the fuck you you would you'd thought that that would be like what the whole episode was going to be about instead it's brought to the forefront and what's dope about that is it um 
and so, uh, something that I've heard said in, in stand-up comedy and something also that Stephen King uh, writes about in, in his uh, book on writing, which is a concept of kill your darlings. So people have a tendency of, or creative people like writers or, or directors or who, whomever, have a, a tendency of, you know, when they have something good, like build up to that good thing and and that's it um which i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but there's a another mentality of killing your darlings like when you have something good instead of building up to that good thing don't do that good thing start from the point of what that good thing is that good line that good uh, story arc that good whatever and then make that the starting point instead of the ending point so then there on after things just build up and get better and better and better and i feel like the the writers of the show did that a lot because i felt like that like throughout the entire uh season i felt like oh shit wait until the the fucking the cartel finds this out or oh damn you know do you think that that the girl would ever tell him that she was going to try to kill him and or get discovered about it and then the girl just tells him herself you, you know what i mean like crazy shit like that that you, you don't expect to like happen or if you expect it to happen you expect it to happen like down the line happens like immediately like you constantly feel like they gave away like the ending to the show and it's like the show just started 15 minutes ago how is it the ending and it's an hour-long show so then because of that it just gets better and better and like more plot twists and and stuff like that happens just naturally because if they since they don't build up to what that moment is that you think that they're building up to and that moment happens half an hour early they have to fill up the other half hour with other shit right so more and more and more stuff happens then i also liked that um the way that they shot or showed uh, overlapping scenes and they did it a couple times for example there's a scene towards like the beginning of an episode that shows a little kid uh buying a gun at like a walmart or whatever and then you find out later like what the the gun was for etc etc but then towards a, a latter scene the you know it shows uh the walmart again and one of the other characters in the show um purchasing something and then you see the little kid that purchased the gun in the beginning uh, of the show. You see him like in the background. So it shows you kind of like timeline wise, like what was going on earlier that, earlier that day, even though like the scenes that played out afterwards, it shows you beforehand. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And then what else? What else? There were a couple episodes that stood out to me, which was episode six and episode number nine. And um, I just... I don't know, like, I like those more. And I noticed that the writer for those uh, two episodes, um, or the head writer, for those two episodes was Whit Anderson, uh, which I believe is a female from what I could could find on IMDb. And she also worked on a show that I've always always heard was good, but I, I, like, skipped it and and didn't watch it but she was like the executive uh story editor for daredevil the which was um on netflix also i think but uh maybe i I might go back and like watch that that series and see just from like the strength of of really liking uh those two episodes and finding out that it was the same person that wrote it so i want to want to see more of their stuff so check it out. It's called Ozark, and it's on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, I saw a comedy special of Jeff Dunham. And Jeff Dunham, for those of you that don't know, is a a, a comic that uh, uses puppets. He does like he's a ventriloquist, but does stand up stand up comedy with them. And he's a like uber famous guy within that space. Definitely has that space cornered of like puppets and like not props but well i guess the puppets are technically props but he doesn't just fuck with all different types of props he just does some stand-up comedy and uses 
the the puppets to to do so. He's not he's not completely my cup of tea, but I have seen this was like his second of his specials that I saw. Like the, the first time I saw him, I saw one of his specials. It was cool. It was different. Um, I tried to see another one, but but didn't um like fully you know because i, I kind of feels like not that he's a bad comic or anything like that he's funny he's he's obviously talented at what he does but i felt like you know after seeing one you kind of seen seen them all kind of thing which i know is not true for those of you that are you know like biff big um jeff dunham fans or anything like that and it's no like slight against him it's just whatever my personal preference but i saw this last one and and it was it was good also but i still get that kind of you know I, I like tuned out tuned back in mentally while watching now something that did stand out that I, I wanted to bring up on the podcast was the fact that fuck you some sometimes you find like your passion or like what you want to do like early in life or you just will like wind up sticking to something and it's awesome and it shows and when you have that consistent, constant, like, work ethic, I think that's something that pays off in, in spades above all else. And he mentioned how he got, like, his first puppet or whatever when he was in the third grade. And he just, like, really liked it. And, and he's literally been fucking with puppets and eventually stand-up comedy since the third grade he put himself through college he paid for his college tuition by you know you know performing doing stand-up and he's 55 years old now so it's like sick from doing something from like when you're third grade and like loving it and being that into it like i admired that and i think that's that's uh pretty dope but if you haven't seen any of the stand-up um it it was a good one Uh, i would say uh, check that one out it's the latest one the most um um current and it's called relative disaster his name is, is uh jeff dunham and it's on netflix speaking of work ethic one of the work ethic eth- ethics motherfuckers that i know of is jerry seinfeld which again is one of his most admirable uh qualities to me he has a a new I, t- I told you guys some time ago that he got some like big deal from Netflix um to do I think it was two comedy specials and this was one of them and also um to have uh, comedians in cars getting coffee on Netflix as well and Jerry's just the man to me like I like his 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 like the way he thinks his objectivity which is something that I think um, I get from a lot of comics. Um, his candidness, the thoughtful approach to things, and uh, the work ethic is is insane. I loved uh, Seinfeld, the show, his other stand-ups. And um, this one was particularly dope because although it's just a, like a good... Um, a good time in terms of of jokes and stand-up it's more of a like a behind the scenes which i love 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 shit like that it's more of like a behind the scenes into like the process of what creates the him you know like uh, he speaks about his first bits that that worked and he performed them on on the first stage that he performed at uh, where they worked and um, speaks about his decision to go into stand-up comedy when he like left home in Long Island and he was he rented like a room somewhere and he, he speaks about that um, and just like physically sitting on the corner of like Fifth Avenue and something else and um, he sat there in the in this thing in this show um or the stand-up like experience i guess you can call it Uh, because it's like stand-up plus like all this behind the scenes stuff that it cuts in and out from 
and he says you know this is the very spot that i was sitting in you know x amount of years ago before making the decision to to do stand-up comedy and i was kind of like one foot in one foot out you know should i do it should i not and you know decided to go to go for it and you know the rest is history and he speaks about a lot about his childhood and his parents and his sister not a lot but he you know speaks about them and growing up in long island and always kind of sort of feeling out of place but not not like in a bad way but just like he he wanted to be somewhere else or wanted to be like i think he said like where the funny is but everything was just like very vanilla where where he grew up um what else what else i like that i like his like he handwrites a lot which which i knew of him from other interviews and he uses like the full scap uh paper like the yellow legal pad paper that stephen pressfield uses by the way to outline his stories um and he saves everything and he saves them in like one of those accordion uh folders and there's a a particular scene where he he's like sitting in the middle of a street and like lines the full street with all the like the sheets of paper that must have been like replicas or like fakes or or photocopies or something because if that was all my shit like all my fucking 50 years worth of writing i wouldn't put it like in the street on the floor you know i would think like it would like fly away or something (laughs) um uh, but it was just dope just to see that that wealth of effort uh in in the visual visually and just how like, you could tell like in that moment when he's like sitting indian style in like the middle of all that like that's his happy place and you can you can like you can connect with that and that was um that was pretty dope and also i'm going to see him live in december with my wife uh, towards the end of the year so that's that's gonna be dope it's gonna be at the beacon theater also where which is where we saw jim gaffigan and uh we got decent seats not as good as gaffigan but decent seats nonetheless it's like orchestra but born like towards the back of the theater but i'll definitely you know let you guys know how, how that show kicks off deaf comedy 25th year anniversary special is a 25 year anniversary special of Deaf Comedy Jam which is on Netflix and it was dope to see like that many like great comics uh united like that and Deaf Comedy in particular has um a dope history a dope story in that uh Russell Simmons and Stan Lathan uh Russell Simmons you know like the co-founder of Def Jam Records saw I forgot what show it was. He saw some stand up and he he and Stan Lathan recognized that there's no there was no uh like real outlet for black comics. And black comics that I've heard or or have listened to like in interviews and stuff like that speak about doing the the what they call the chitlin circuit which is all like um like a network of of shows that black comics like normally do and comedy now is even now is like segregated in a way but it's very if you're a good comic you're a good comic but you know there's there's always like something in front of what the comic is or or what the not what the comic is but what the comic does i think from just from like observing like the comic scene it's like you're a dirty comic or you're a clean comic or you're a female comic or you're a black comic or you're a white comic and that's like how we are as like a society i guess right we segregate shit and the you know back then anyway the russell simmons and stan lathan realized that there's no like outlet for these black comics that they think are are you know just as good or better than the white comics that they would see on on like the tonight show and that have like national platforms so they put together deaf comedy as like a platform for them 
and they it was on um HBO if I'm not mistaken pretty sure it was HBO and it was like literally the launching pad for a boatload of top tier comics it was just guys like uh Dave Chappelle, Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, Martin Lawrence, Kevin Hart D.L. Hughley, Patrice O'Neill, Leslie Jones, Jamie Foxx, uh, Chris Tucker, uh, Tiffany Haddish was even on there. And I thought like that that was um, Def Comedy was um, like past her her time or whatever, or before her time rather. Some more, and it's like the list just goes on and on and on, and and it was like an enter- entertaining watch, like. You know, just watching comedians are going to be funny, even though they're not like doing stand up, but they're just funny. And they're like all like um, giving props to to Russell and and just Def Jam and and the platform that like launched their careers and like paying homage. Um, and they take turns, you know, um, like going on stage and, and like saying their piece. Cat Williams, another one, which Pimp Chronicles Part One is probably one of the most uh, one of the best hours uh of all time and um i don't know i just thought that that like that aspect of it that you know like the the cream of the crop of of like all these uh like hungry black comics was just like a dope thing that happened and like a really cool story they played uh clips from from uh past shows and stuff like that and like spoke about it like reminisced on them and and it was really cool man so pbs put out a documentary that my brother put me on to called new york and it is on it's available on amazon video so if you have like amazon prime or whatever you can watch it for free and if not if you don't have amazon prime you could probably like rent it on there or whatever and it's I'm still going going through it. I still haven't finished watching it. I'm on episode five or six, I wanna say. And I believe that there's eight episodes and each episode is like two hours long. So it's a dense, dense stuff, but so so good. It's not like boring dense. Um well if you're into like historical type shit, it's not boring and if you're not then it's probably boring as fuck. Like, I mentioned it to my wife, and to see, like, she wanted to watch, and, like, she almost threw up in her mouth. Because it's not, you know, something that she's into, whatever. But, um, I think it's so good, yo. It, it, a couple things, like, resonated with me. Well, a lot of stuff resonated with me, but what I can think of now off the top of my head is things like, stuff that you, like, don't really think of, um like on a regular basis and they, that we kind of take for granted. Like they mentioned in, in the documentary that, you know, we see like a structure like the Brooklyn bridge and just assume that it's always been there, but there was literally a time that it wasn't there. And I know that intellectually we understand that, but just like look at the New York skyline and, and think of it when none of that was there or like when before the Brooklyn Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge or the 59th Street Bridge or like whatever, like these like massive fucking structures and, and undertakings once didn't exist. And this documentary goes into the stories of, for example, how the Brooklyn Bridge was built and how, you know, like Irish laborers and Italian bricklayers and and uh engineers like this one engineer was like known for being like the man of engineering and he was like an older guy and his son was following in his footsteps and he got sick and died and his son he either got sick and died or he died died tragically or something like that but then his son uh took over you know like calling calling the shots and and like how to get this thing actually done this massive thing that they had never thought of to do before um you know built this massive structure now known as the brooklyn bridge that bridged the gap between the water gap between brooklyn and manhattan which was as it is now the 
like main hub of New York City, like the main financial hub, the cultural hub, the the just population hub as well, and really like the economic engine of New York and America at that time. And it tells you stories like that. It tells you stories of poets and writers like Walt Whitman and how he captured and and they say they read a lot of his like poetry and 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 writings and how he captured and internalized New York and how he spoke of boats that he was on and the crisp night air in New York and etc cetera, etc cetera. it speaks about like the immigration waves like when all the Irish people came and after all the Dutch people came and the Italians and the blacks and how people like mingled and stuff like that, which is really interesting. Uh, what's really, really cool also is stuff like you, you find out who people were. Cause like, for example, I work on, uh, off of Fulton street, downtown in the city. I don't know what the fuck Fulton means, you know, like what it was, what it, what it is. And I found out through this documentary that, it's uh fulton street is named after robert fulton and he was a was an artist who liked to like draw and shit and he he also like inventing things and like tinkering with stuff and he in the early days it was you know like wild wild west type of thing you know like people were like hustling trying to get theirs and he had i don't know if it was like a sailboat or or a fucking canoe or some shit and he was making money like moving things on water and or or moving people i think on on water from like manhattan to brooklyn or 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 wherever you know somewhere you know he had some some uh some route that he would take and he wound up inventing like a steam a steamboat he didn't um like invent the steam engine he uh just found an innovative way to like implement it they compare him to like henry ford that you know um he didn't create the automobile but he uh created the assembly line that just started like mass producing the automobile so anyway when he got like tired of like painting portraits and stuff like that and he somehow or another built built a steamboat and started a commercial service you know running shit with his steamboat and he was said to be instrumental in in transport and innovating uh how like quickly it it was done through his steamboat because the steam engine existed but not the application of it to to the actual boat and um they say that he like pushed america into the industrial revolution age you know prior to to dying in 1815 by this like innovative thing and fulton street is named after that dude and i found out like a bunch of stuff like that the documentary shows video and footage and lots of photography from from back then from back in the day and just like uh, construction stuff like the Flatiron building um which is like that triangle looking building um when when that was built when the empire state building was built um it goes into just like everything everything politics and like uh governors like uh fiodoro 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 laguardia and tammany hall which was like the irish stronghold and like muscle behind their politics and and politicians that they pushed it goes into like uh like uh racism and discrimination and wealth inequality and just like so 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 much stuff and then there's like outtakes of like interviews with uh historians and writers and stuff like that and um they add a lot of color and context to to everything there's actually a couple excerpts that i wanted to play for you guys that i jotted down and i'm gonna play them now but i honestly i don't remember off the top of my head what the hell they were 
or what they were about just stuff that that i thought was dope and that i liked so i think i got like two or three and here goes the first one i do not marvel that one in five children in the rear tenement into which the sunlight never comes was killed by the house it seemed strange rather than any survived jacob reese Many of the tenements were life-threatening, uh, literally. Uh, that is to say that the threat of disease, uh, infectious bacterial diseases like dysentery, for example, uh, was always there, and, and uh, epidemics could spread rapidly. Um, the high death rate, the high sickness rate. This was the reality for many, many, hundreds of thousands, millions of New Yorkers in any given moment. Ill-fed and ill-clothed, packed into buildings with few sinks or toilets, and sometimes with no plumbing at all. Tenement dwellers were prey to every kind of disease. Diphtheria, influenza, typhoid, pneumonia. Worst of all was the disease called the White Plague, tuberculosis. Every year, 20,000 new cases were reported in the slums. Every year, 8,000 people died of the disease. July and August spelled death to the army of little ones whom the doctor's skill is powerless to save. Sleepless mothers walk the street in the gray of the early dawn, trying to stir a cooling breeze to fan the brow of the sick baby. There is no sadder sight than this patient devotion against fearfully hopeless odds. Little coffins are stacked mountains high on the decks of the charity commissioner's boat when it makes its semi-weekly trip to the city cemetery. Jacob Reese. How the Other Half Lives awakened New Yorkers to the condition of the poor as nothing else had. It was a new way of seeing the world, a modern way. And Reese used it not only to underscore his outrage, but to spur people to action. The slums were not inevitable, he insisted. They had been built by men and women, and men and women could change them. One of the things that, that Reese is trying to do in this book, I think, is to get away from um, some of the older Victorian notions of, of poverty. Why are some people poor? Why do some people live in such, in such terrible conditions? And his answer is, is more along the lines of, of a modern sort of environmental view of poverty. What he's basically arguing is that um, if people are going to live in these terrible tenements, if people are going to be deprived of the basics of light and air uh, and decency, we can't be surprised if these people become criminals or depraved or alcoholics or, or what have you. So that there's a way in which Reese is, I think, the opening shot, if you will, or, or uh, you know, the first chapter uh, in a reformed tradition. Because it was a book that made a lot of people uh, want to get involved in improving life in the city. Not long after the book was published, New York's energetic young civil service commissioner, Theodore Roosevelt, called on Reese at his office on Printing House Square. The writer was out, but Roosevelt left his calling card with a note on the back. I have read your book, it said, and I have come to help. I thought that was so dope because the this writer, Jacob Reese, wrote a book called How the Other Half Lives. And if you watch this episode in its full context, like it, it shows how uh, the income inequality was so exacerbated back then because you had like uber, uber, uber rich and then a boatload of the majority of, of people living in slums um, in New York City. And, and by uber rich, I, I mean like filthy, like grossly rich and not grossly like and like it's a gross negative bad thing but just like hugely like rich like all those like you see those like buildings that are like department buildings and shit like that now like on fifth avenue and madison avenue and like the gap and and fucking macy's or like whatever like all those were like rich people mansions <laughs> like back then and this book 
like his writing his observations of like what was going on his his objective like view of the situation uh put into print you know like the power of words the power you know the power of writing it all revolves around writing right um that got the attention of theodore roosevelt who later went on to be a president of the united states and was known to be a reformer and i just thought that was pretty cool all right let's check out the next clip i remember one time after the war i was about 12 my father had a job in a factory across the way and because he had lost his leg he had a stump and a wooden artificial leg and in the summer uh and, and there's nothing quite f as ferocious as a New York August. He would work on this assembly line eight hours a day, and he was home that night, and I heard him weeping in the dark around one o'clock in the morning. And I knew that no matter what I ever did, I couldn't articulate it exactly, uh, that I had to honor that pain, that you must honor that. And I think that's what the children of immigrants do. All of us. We know what they gave up. They gave up their countries. In some cases, they gave up their languages. They worked at the lousiest, rottenest jobs in order to put food on our tables. We have to honor that for the rest of our lives. That was writer Pete Hamill. And as the son of an immigrant myself, I absolutely couldn't agree more. You know, when I just think of like how my parents came here and sacrifices that they made and have uh, gone things that they've gone through to provide for their growing family, a better life, you know, for me, my brother and and ultimately for our our families, you know, our their children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, etc. It's. It's so selfless, so honorable to take that a risk like that that is for your betterment, but more so for the lasting impact of your extended family, not extended family, your like family tree. Like that's just like something amazing that immigrants especially in this country coming to America I've been doing since it's since the Dutch at our core like that's what we are that's what we're made up of that audacity to hope for a better future and the tenacity to work hard and make it happen and that's all I got for you folks this episode so uh, stick around and listen to some tunes and uh, check out uh, different ways you can help support the podcast. And uh, I appreciate you guys for listening. Wish me a good flight back from India. Peace. Hijo de inmigrantes rusos casado en Argentina con una pintora judía se casa por segunda vez con una princesa africana en México. Música hindú contrabandeada por gitanos polacos se vuelve un éxito en el interior de Bolivia. Cebras africanas y canguros australianos en el zoológico de Londres. Momias egipcias y artefactos incas en el Museo de Nueva York. Linternas japonesas y chicles americanos en los bazares coreanos de San Pablo. Imágenes de un volcán en Filipinas salen en la red de televisión de Mozambique. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer. 
a podcast of the week i listen to tons of podcasts dozens and dozens of podcasts hundreds of episodes and i cherry pick the best ones and i share them with you here you'll also receive a video of the week which could be anything from a rap battle to a ted talk you receive a quote of the week something to let marinate in your mind and a word of the week so that you and i can both step up our vocab so if any of that sounds of interest to you check it out check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one for any writers or creatives out there i have a questionnaire it's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out it's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire and what it is is five open-ended questions related to your craft it's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so what are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating what inspires you etc etc stuff like that and what i do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast now you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to you have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire and if you do not choose to remain anonymous i give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on so i appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me as well as the rest of the listeners of the sponsor podcast which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire now you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways one way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well if you want to make a one-time uh, paypal donation feel free to do so there's a paypal donation button on there as well within that same tab you'll also find a link to the spun today viral style store now the viral style store is a store where you can get spun today merch whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed and spoiler alert I'm no I'm no Ralph Lauren or you know whoever designs Gucci stuff <laughs> but I did create the design of those shirts myself I have a couple t-shirts on there one that says for example right need every day which is a playoff of Snoop Dre and Nate Dogs smoke weed every day so it's right need every day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it i have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh just stuff like that so check it out the link to the viral style store is also there you can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a patreon supporter now patreon is pretty cool and it there's a little um video explanation of what it is and how it works but i'll try to do my best to summarize it here basically you sign on to patreon which is a free service for your account and you can support not just myself but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have patreon pages and you can choose to for example donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis so the spun today podcast has two uh, episodes a month so if you donate a dollar to it it'll be two dollars a month basically and you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis there are zero fees you can cancel at any time no hassle no bullshit and it's uh it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated and also it's not just like a for example uh a paypal donation 
which is just that but through patreon it allows the creator in this case being myself to set up a reward system if you will so if you donate a dollar per episode you are considered a tier one supporter if you donate three dollar per episode you are a second tier supporter etc etc and it goes up to four tiers and each tier gets different things like uh tier one gets a free spun today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast tier three gets uh gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today another great amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it this costs you absolutely nothing whether you listen on itunes on stitcher on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on pocket casts on overcast on player fm on google play on youtube on tumblr or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps, please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, <laughs> it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions. For example, with the random rant episodes, you know, I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone, which is also available on YouTube. But you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks. So check that out. You can also support by checking out my book, Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. It's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation. And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, an ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spun Today listener, I can also send you a free copy. Right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>